welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I'm your host, Emily Lint, and today's episode features Lena Abdel Hussein and Shabani Ahuja. As a VP and executive product owner for TD Bank Group, Lena's focus is driving better outcomes for her clients while supporting her colleagues and achieving their goals. As a woman and visible minority in the financial industry, she supports her colleagues as the executive sponsor of TD's Visible Minority Group. Lena holds a Bachelor of Science in Biology from the University of Western Ontario, a Bachelor of Arts in Film Studies from Carleton University, and an MBA from McGill Institute, Executive Institute. Shabani is a global executive with extensive experience working across multiple disciplines and geographies, holding several roles around the globe. In her current role as Vice President, Executive Product Owner, she leads a team of technology professionals responsible for setting the strategic vision and agile implementation of innovative capabilities supporting end-to-end customer shopping engagement journeys across the enterprise. In 2002 and 2023, Shabani received international recognition as one of the top outstanding LGBT plus emerging leaders globally. I had a fantastic time working through the complexities of unconscious bias, diversity, and inclusion, and the ways it can change our products for the better in this discussion. I loved hearing about everyone's diverse backgrounds when it comes to education, culture, and Agile experience, and how that's really shaped how they show up as Agile leaders. I hope you get some great nuggets of information around how unconscious bias shapes the workplace and what you can do to better assist others in understanding the consequences and solutions to problems in diversity. Thanks for tuning in to the Women in Agile podcast. We hope you enjoy this podcast conversation. So uh, good morning, good evening, hello, good whenever you're watching this. Um, welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast. I am your host, Emily Lint. And today we're sitting down with uh, Shabani Ahuja and Lena Abdel Hussein. How are you guys doing today? Great. Thank you for having me and us. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, so I wanted to ask you guys both, how did you find Agile? How did I find Agile in the sense of transitioning into working in, in Agile from where we were before? Yeah, um, if that's how you kind of transition. Some people have just like started jobs as scrum masters. So, um, so yeah, Leah, if you want to get us started on that. For sure. So for me, I actually hadn't worked in a real Agile space up until a year ago when we started uh, to transform the way that we work internal to uh, TD. And so, am I allowed to say TD? Oh, well, I just said it. Sorry. No, you can't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, this is cool. this is a TD Bank episode where you guys are representatives of TD Bank. <laughs> Excellent. So a year ago, we started uh, moving into uh, working more in Agile. And it was, like I said, as I was saying before, a new way of interacting with each other, a new way of collaborating and uh, solving problems, like real life problems for customers and our colleagues through this way. So what I would say to you is, you know, at first, when you hear agile, some people would think that maybe it's not as structured as, as one would think, because everybody's like, you're supposed to be fluid, you're supposed to pivot, you're supposed to, you know, be able to change on a dime. While all of that is true, that is definitely the power of it, I would say it is, it doesn't come without structure. So that was a really interesting uh, experience to go through. I think there are definitely 
uh, different tactics to use to make you really successful in Agile. And what I would tell you in this past year of, of experiencing it that was new to me is I've seen the power of it and I have uh, been a converter of believing in this way of working uh, because of the amount of enhancements, betterments to the customers that we've made and to our, our colleagues, which is like, you know, my team has quoted and said, what we've done in one year, we haven't been able to do in 10. So that was, uh, that's been my experience so far in Agile. So there you go. Yay, Agile. Wonderful. I love that customer story. You know, <laughs> it's like, I, I wasn't really about it, but now totally am. So that's awesome. Good, good cool. Shivani, how about you? How did you find Agile? So I, uh, I fell into Agile, uh, much very similar to Lena. I, um, the bank was going through a transformation and I had an opportunity to be an executive platform product owner. And through that, you know, you hear about Agile, you, you hear about the concept. There's two concepts that I'd constantly heard about that around the same time, Lean, Agile, Lean, Agile. And I remember being asked one of the questions in the interview saying, hey, what's the difference between Lean and Agile? And I had to pause for a second because I, I, I thought about it to say, well, Agile feels like it's a leaner way to deliver on the products that we are here in the market to serve. And so little did I know that that was fairly accurate to where we are today. Uh, but I have gone through the learning of learning Agile principles, Agile concepts, ceremonies, structure uh, with fluidity the same time as my entire team has. And it's been an incredible experience. I think Lena did an amazing job of summarizing what you hear about agile beforehand and what it actually ends up being which is just a smarter way to deliver smaller chunks in a way that you can deliver a minimum valuable product as opposed to a minimum viable product along the way <laughs> i love that minimum valuable product not minimum viable i love that yeah because it kind of there's even this in product management there's the design box right and design thinking yep around like you know a really sustainable product has that god i'm quizzing myself here but yeah. <laughs> viability maintainability desirability. desirability that was oh i was like ah what feasibility. is the what is, yeah, feasibility feasibility and desirability i think it was desirability yeah and that creates a sustainable product fantastic <laughs> we, yeah. we both we you, you got it i was trying to like catch up mentally to that um so yeah and that that makes a, that makes a lot of sense so great thank you um, so I'll start with, I'll stay with you, Shabani. Um, what have you observed about the role of women in Agile in the community over the years? What I've observed is how it's growing. You know, you look at a web, uh, a podcast like this, where there is an industry of, uh, an industry where you've got a number of females that are coming in and taking, taking up space in such a great way. And, and going broader than just women in Agile, you think about just what is agile meant to bring it's meant to bring the delivery in smaller chunks the, the delivery of products that are reflective of the communities and customers that we serve and so with women coming into agile women coming into delivery roles into product development roles into concept roles it's bringing that diversity of thought and experiences to the products that we build right i, I think we were even talking about before this um you know some meetings that we have where we step into the room and and suddenly we're not the only woman in the room you know, we have multiple women and, and we can we can almost bring our full selves um, to those conversations um, a lot of times. And it's just a different conversation. Um, I one time joined a, a team that was all women 
on a software team. And I'm not saying they're like, oh my God, that's the ideal, <laughs> right? But it's just, it's a diverse way of, of doing work. It's a, it's a different way of doing work. And just the team dynamic on it was so different. You're absolutely right. Like we, we talk about at TD, we talk about this concept of inclusive innovation. Mm-hmm. And what that is, is looking around the table of those that have the benefit and privilege of being the innovators to say, are we inclusive in who's sitting around the table? Because that's how many perspectives and experiences, life experiences are going into the development of that product. And so it's no longer, you know, do we have a diverse slate? Do we have people that are part of the, the LGBT community? Do we have people that are part of the black community? Do we have people at the table that are women? Do we have people that are, that are non-binary at the table and are bringing their perspectives into the products that we're building? And neurodivergency, I just did an episode with um, Becky Kuska, Kuzma on neurodivergency and how that brings a completely new perspective into, into the work and creates a space for other people to be more authentically like a human with a weird brain. Wild. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so how about you, Lena? Well, I'm sorry, I'll go back to that. What have you observed about the role of women in Agile in the community? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I actually, I think you guys really covered it off nicely. Just mm-hmm. to add and complement even more the points you guys were both making, I was actually having this conversation with a couple of leaders on my team, women leaders on my team, and uh, we were just talking about the kind of preconceptions of what Agile would be like or feel like or being in this sort of environment. And I think one of one of the comments, and I wanted to share that this with, with everyone here too, is uh, that you, when you think agile, because sometimes it's so, um, you know, the idea is, is that it's a technology-based type role, if you will, that you would assume that it's going to be male-dominated. And what, what these two women leaders have found for my team as they transitioned into agile and, and, and uh, continue to work through it this past year is they were pleasantly surprised to see how many women around that table so I think there was it was interesting to just watch how there was that misconception and there was um you know the the growth from from where they were thinking things were going to to kind of where they actually ended up and it does speak a lot to the effort that it takes like collaboration is such a big part of being agile and uh, I do think that that's probably the thing that I've observed um happening you know very well amongst the team and especially amongst the women leaders on our team as well. Yeah. I think that is a perfect segue, by the way, into like our main content for today around like unconscious bias because they made assumptions. Like they thought they knew what Agile was going to look like and how Agile was going to be implemented. And then they came in and it was a completely different different thing. So I actually want to pull the, the thread on that a little bit um, for, for you, um, Lena. So what, see, how would I phrase this question? What do you think was that bias that they might have had? Yeah, I think the, the big one was the fact that when you think agile, I think, I think the way that they described it to me was when they were thinking agile, they were, it, it was it, the immediate connection to that was a technology based role. And what we've seen, and I think this has been a very different uh, evolution, like I think it's definitely changing, the, the face of it is changing. But what we've seen traditionally, if I were to go back a few years, was that a lot of technologists and leaders in technology and CIOs, it was a more male dominated environment. So I mm-hmm. think that's that was the connection one. 
agile isn't about just being a technology-based role. That's not what it is. It's a way of working. So that was the, the kind of the first misconception. And then the second one is connecting it to technology, which their view, and I think it's changed. I think that's what it was for them, is that the surprise to them, the pleasant surprise, was what they assumed is not actually what's happening. Uh, which is the fact that it is not male-dominated. It's actually quite evenly balanced, and if not, they've found situations where it's more, um, you know, more women around the table. So I think the, the only reason why they probably had that reaction is because they thought agile equals technology. Traditionally, tra technology is male-dominated. I think it's that basic. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know that there's anything else to maybe unpack there, but... I wouldn't. I don't know what yeah. you have. If, yeah, like I don't know if you have different thoughts, Shabani, on that one. Lena, you're you're on the you're on a path of where I was going is exactly the, uh, that association with agile was very STEM. It's very yes. technology, yes. right? Like very, yes. and I think that what again personal learning, but also the team's learning has been well actually agile equates more to customer centricity than yes, it does technology. Exactly. And as you think about agile in the lens of customer centricity, who are our customers? women as as well as men as well as non-binary and so i think that that's where there has been an evolution in that association of the word agile to mm -hmm. customer centric design mm -hmm. to customer 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 centric development yeah well, that great um so so gender bias diversity and inclusion really was a huge part of like agile 2023 which was why when um you know i little bit of behind the scenes when working with TD Bank, I'll get like a list of questions or things that like they would like to talk about. And I was like, unconscious bias, 100%. If we if they want to talk about it, let's talk about it, because it can be a, a tough topic to like really dive into. You know, Women Agile is putting a lot of focus on this. Agile 2023, Agile Alliance is putting a lot of focus on gender diversity, inclusion, and belonging. There's been like kind of a, a talking about not necessarily even saying inclusion, but saying belonging now, um, because including somebody is not enough. Helping them to feel like they belong in that space is really what um, what they're arguing that we're going for. Um, so why do you believe there is a focus on this in the Agile community? And um, maybe let's go to Lena on this one. So, I mean, whether it's an agile community or otherwise, I think it should just be a focus across all of the roles that, that we play into. But I think more specifically, if we want to just like specifically on agile, we just finished talking about the misconception of two people that are currently in agile and how they thought about it to be very much male dominated. So if you extrapolate that and think about the fact that you know, the diversity representation is one thing, but actually creating a forum where people feel like they can they truly belong. And the reason why it's so important is you don't really get anywhere in an agile space unless you're able to work together and really hear each other's voices in a way that actually gets you to drive an outcome. So if you are not helping to foster an environment where people do feel like they belong by, you know, being candid yourself, by being transparent yourself, by being vulnerable and, and, and even, um, you know, purposely and mindfully asking those that typically don't speak up to speak up and trying to create environments in that way. And those are just like, you know, very simplistic tactics. I'm sure there's better things that we can do as well. But if you don't do that, then you're not really like harnessing the power of having diversity around the table. So what's mm -hmm. the point of having somebody who looks different than you or is different than you around the table if they don't actually share their thoughts? It doesn't do anything. And so I think... The fact that uh, creating that 
sense of belonging becomes so much more important so that you can get those outcomes that that to you know Shabani said it earlier our customers are diverse they are not like you me and Shabani alone they are all types right so with that being said how are you ever representing yourself in the right way where they feel the customers feel like they can really connect with the product or the experience you're trying to create if you don't have the diversity around the table but then also make sure that that belonging sense is there so they can share their thoughts openly to make it better i think that's the bigger the biggest piece around agile why belonging is so important Thank you. And Shabani looks like she's she's really wanted to wanted to jump, jump in on this. <laughs> you know, I might go in a few different tangents with this one, but this is a, a topic that's very close to my heart. One is, you know, what you've talked about is how we're how we're moving away from just diversity, inclusion to belonging. You know, the, I've been giving this a lot of thought to say, like, when you've got diversity alone, diversity of folks, that could be representation. Great, you've got all different colors, sizes, and I'm using an, an example. Um, of folks inclusion perfect you've got all of those mix of people and you've got them at the table but to lena's point if they're not speaking if they're not given an equal voice what's the good there so it could end up being that diversity alone is representation diversity plus inclusion could equal tokenism oh but i've got that woman at the table that's good enough i've kind of done my part but diversity plus inclusion plus equity bringing people up and right sizing folks so that they're at the right level that everyone is equal and, and has that equity, that's when you've got true change. So that's one, one thought that really comes to mind. The second part is, I love how Lena talked about the internal benefits of driving belonging and diversity, inclusion, checking our biases within our internal teams. I look at it from the end product result, this perspective as well. And I, I'll use a, again, a personal example. I, um, I uh, identify as a, a East Indian woman with a same-sex partner and a child. So real example is there are some daycares, we've got a child in daycare, some daycares will give us a form when you're trying to enroll your child. And on that form, it'll say, who is the mother, who is the father? And without fail, we're having to always scratch out the father to say mother one, mother two, parent one, parent two. And you know, I, I, it, it's, it's always a bit of a, ugh. Why do we need to scratch out that form? Why are we having to accommodate? Imagine if there was someone that reflected my personal situation experience, who was helping to build that form. Think of that form as the product that we built. Imagine there was someone at that table in that pod, working in an agile fashion to build that form. Would they have thought to say, parent one, parent two? Would they have thought to think of, of building? building that product in a more inclusive way because we've got that representation at the table. And also because of what Lena called out is that comfort to speak up, that safety, that psychological safety to say, hey, have we considered how this product would be received by same-sex couples, for example? And just think of that as how critically important and how much better would our development be as we've got that diversity, inclusion, and belonging with equity at the table. I love that. I love that example. And thank you so much for being vulnerable enough to, to share that. Um, and, and to really share, it seems like you have like a diversity ladder, you know, of yeah. like levels that people will get to of like diversity, inclusion, belonging, equity. So I love that. I just wanted to like kind of parrot that that concept. I love it so much. Um, I have um, another example um, similar to yours, um, but it's at, was at work. I was working on this at this building um, in a government space, 
and there was one bathroom that was both genders was mm-hmm. either and one that was a male bathroom but we were told you could use both yeah but it was i remember using the male bathroom and this guy looked at me like the team looked at me really weird because i had to get escorted everywhere so like he had to get escorted to the bathroom Mm-hmm. So I went in that bathroom, and he was like, I just never seen a woman use that bathroom. And and I was like, okay. And and then the only other female bathroom was two buildings over. Mm-hmm. So you either use the, the equal, like the male or female, or you went over there to use just the female bathroom. And so I went and I talked to the manager about it mm-hmm. and of that building, and I was like, hey, why are there only like one female bathroom and it's really a cult like gender bathroom like why don't we just if if it really doesn't matter who uses that bathroom why don't we just make it a gender neutral bathroom (laughs) like why don't we just do that and they were like oh yeah But it took. I didn't even know they did, didn't occur to them. You know, like they never they never knew that that was a thing. They were like, oh. I guess that is weird yeah. <laughs> that we don't have like a male and female bathroom or we just have like a gen, like we have one gender neutral bathroom, but not the other one. So, you know, I, I think this goes to like our next point, which is um, how important is it and what techniques you've used to kind of foster that open dialogue around, you know, speaking up and um, talking about diversity. So. Um, I'll start again with, um, I'll start with Shabani this time. I talk about diversity as a superpower. You know, it's sometimes it's taken as a, oh, it's a, yeah, yeah, we got to have someone that looks like this and identifies as that at the table. Actually, it's a superpower. I have so many lenses from which I can see the world more than maybe others because I can look at the world as an East Indian. I can look at the world as a woman. I can look at the world as a bisexual woman with a same sex partner, with a child. And I just, I, I use that and I talk about it. Like as a leader, I've got the benefit, I've got the platform and the privilege to be able to share and impart this with my team. So I don't actually hide it. I leverage it and talk about it uh, to create that safe environment, to demonstrate the value that it brings. And it's not to say that those that don't identify with one of the diverse communities doesn't have something more to share. In fact, we all have stories and we all have backgrounds and histories that that bring that richness to the table when we are developing our products. Love that. Thank you. Uh, Lena, how about you? Yeah, so I think I'm just really adding and complimenting what Shabani said because I, I do uh, share in the same. I think the best way to get people to really open up uh, and, and realize you know, some things that they may not have been aware of before is to be vulnerable and candid with them and share your own experiences. But then to also, you know, like one simple technique that I do with the team is something called um, ask me anything. And so it's like 30 minutes every two weeks where they submit anonymous questions. And these questions, man, I've been put on the hot seat (laughs) about personal stuff that they want to know about my life. So like everybody, sometimes I come off, I'm like, my gosh, do they need to know all that information? But either way. Hey, so Lena, can I join? I'd love yeah, to join you, those it's, calls. It's, it's like, it's pretty cool. Cause it starts off like 
basically about me only and then it moves into a little bit about like the work and then so like there's a lot of questions that come through um because it's it's in a safe space where i can address it and tackle it head on so it just helps with you know if there is a preconceived notion that somebody has and and they feel comfortable to ask it because it's not their name is not tagged to it we can talk about it openly and and it also starts to foster sort of different dialogue so that's one little technique but i do like i think the only way to help break and work through biases is by being able to be vulnerable and tell people your story tell people what it is that you've gone through as an example of like hey one you're not alone two uh even for you know some of like you can learn from from these experiences as i can learn from theirs as well um so those are the two things we've done or i've done i'd, I'd love to add uh, as lena prompts me is is um we could check our biases as early as when we're even just hiring. Yeah. And so one of the ways that I try to check one way that I really try to check my bias when I'm when I'm doing any kind of hiring and, and typically I'd be doing executive hiring is I ensure that there is objective criteria established at the onset uh, for the role and I've got a panel interview style. So it's not just me looking for people that look like me or have had my experiences because you know that's what I'm comfortable with. I really try to objectively establish that criteria up front identify a panel of diverse experiences to even do the interview, compare the notes thereafter to say who is the best person for the job. And this came from a reflection of what I heard someone else once say. They had said to me, when you look at, not to me, to, it was generally to a crowd to say, when you look at your team, does it resemble your family? Meaning assuming mm -hmm. that your family is all of a similar kind, or does your team reflect the diversity of the communities whom we serve? And that's a good way to check to see, do I have a tendency to hire a certain type of person because I'm comfortable with them? And if I if I could be, if I'm, you know, that's the thing, unconscious bias is just, just that. It's unconscious. It's not mm -hmm. intentional, which makes it very dangerous, even more dangerous than yeah. conscious bias. And so how can I be mindful of any unconscious bias that I may have? And how do I combat that? By finding that objective way to hire talent. Great. Um, I think that that really goes to kind of our uh, one of our next questions here, which is, um, have you ever experienced that unconscious bias? Um, and if so, do you have any advice to recognize and then for, to your to your point, Shivani, you know, really eliminating it? And I think, you know, your example really got to me uh, as well. Um, you know, I had a partner that um, told me, you know, he was like, well, don't like, don't take this the wrong way. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> because we were, we were talking clue. about like things in music that we really liked. And I like female voices in music. And so the rap, rock, things like that, I tend to like female voices. And sometimes like for my male friends, they can get like, it could be a little weird because I don't think sometimes they're just not used to that. <laughs> like, <laughs> hearing like primarily like a whole playlist of female rock artists or female rap artists and things like that um, that aren't like of a certain what they would expect. But then, you know, he he kind of challenged me a little bit. He was like, well, I just think you like it's not that you only like female artists. It's just that you tend to give them a little bit more time, like you mm. soothe them a little bit more, you give them a little bit more leeway, like they can have like a couple bad, you know, songs and stuff and you still be okay with it, you know, and they can they can have some bad history and you're okay with it. So just like 
just think about like, are am I liking this because I really like this, or am I liking this because it's a female going against the grain? You know, and I have to do that in my work too, where mm-hmm. I, I'm the owner of my own business and I have traditionally hired females, um, a lot of them queer females, um, and keeping that in mind that like, am I doing that because they match my brand and they understand the work that we're trying, that I'm trying to do and would best articulate it? Or is there maybe somebody else that I'm not giving consideration to because they're unfamiliar? You know, one of the things that I think about when it comes to unconscious bias is we're all social beings and we're monkeys inside of our head sometimes. <laughs> we have our mammalian brain that is looking for pattern in our life and to repeat that pattern. And so it can get uncomfortable when you get outside of your own pattern. But mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let Lena, um, you know, so go back to the question, have you ever experienced <laughs> unconscious bias? And if so, do you have any advice on recognizing or um, eliminating that bias? Yeah, so I have, unfortunately, well, I've, I've probably experienced conscious bias mm-hmm. at work. But one of the things that I wanted to, to highlight is more on the unconscious side. I spend time just making sure that I'm not, you know, exercising unconscious bias without without meaning to. And recognizing, you know, like, how is it that I'm I'm viewing a person based off of the education they have or don't have? And am I really thinking about what they bring to the table versus, uh, you know, any other aspect about about who they are? Uh, and then secondly, is is the pay equity and making sure that that unconscious bias, whether it's intended or not, is is broken through and we're doing the right thing for people based off of what they produce, not who they are. Thank you, Lena. Um, and I think you kind of also summarized of like thinking about what what biases do I have for other people or myself, like that things that I have an unconscious bias towards or a conscious bias towards if we start to recognize it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and and even getting informed by other people, like how my partner was like, Hey, I don't want you to know your bias. And I'm like, Oh, okay, thank, cool, thanks. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Um but uh, and then also the other part of like, what are other people's biases? Like we, we talked about in STEM, how people have a bias for thinking that STEM technology means men and it means maybe male men are stronger in that in that suit, potentially. And that right. goes to being analytical, being strategic. Um, being very much like that, that focus. But then on the other side, that sometimes um, we can have an unconscious bias for male leaders not being empathetic or understanding or compassionate, right. you know, things yeah. like that. Yeah, very true. So, uh, Shabani, what do you think? Yeah, I've, I've experienced. Uh, so, the, what, what I will call out though is um, unconscious bias by the sheer nature and like the, the term is harder to spot. Than conscious bias, of course. And so it's harder to spot when it happens to you because, again, personally, I, I try to assume personal intent, uh, positive intent. So I don't want to assume that someone isn't considering me for a role because of my age or gender or whatever it may be, but the reality is it's probably happened. I know that, again, from on a conscious level, when I was younger, so Lena, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this one. I don't <laughs> have a university degree. I have just my high school education. And so I started that because I got poached out in my first year of university and I had to make a decision. I did. Uh, but as a result, I was younger than yeah, everyone else, yeah. everyone else. This is a podcast. So thankfully now you can't see all of my, my streaks of gray and silver hair. 
Oh, but stop. I didn't always have that. Yeah, and a, and a gorgeous, it's gorgeous, like, yeah, hair. Yeah. My God. She just wanted us to say that. No, beautiful no, no. She is. Yeah. Oh, Get out of here. Get out of here. No, the, what I was saying is what, I, I welcomed this because I finally look more my age. But I was young. I was younger than everyone that I ever uh, worked with and those that worked right. for me. So I'd, I've grown up experiencing bias all the time. So what are you currently doing for your own personal growth and, I, and you know, beyond combating all the unconscious bias and speaking up for all the people in all the ways? <laughs> what are some of the ways that you're, you're uh, what are you doing for your own personal growth, professional growth too? <laughs> it, as it relates to bias, as it relates to just personal development? Yeah, just personal development. So uh, I have a tendency of taking on roles where uh, from a technical domain perspective, I often don't know much about the technical domain elements. And, and and that's probably reflective of any leadership role. The higher up you get, the less you likely know from a technical perspective. Um, so I'm constantly trying to hone my leadership skills, my influence skills. I am um, taking courses. Uh, uh, recently, I was just at Stanford for a week-long program. It was 2SLGBT um, executive leadership program. But on the side, here's an interesting thing that I try to do is I'm trying to leverage technology around me to learn domain skills. So I'm right now, part of my portfolio is MarTech, marketing technology. I wake up in the morning and sorry to those that have Google at home because I'll say, hey, Google, what's Salesforce Marketing Cloud? I'm sure I'm going to like set off a bunch of Googles at home that the folks that listen to this on, on speaker. So sorry about that. Or I use ChatGPT. So I'm trying to use the technology around me to say, hey, what is, how do I, how do I manage my unconscious bias when hiring product developers or product mm -hmm. owners? Uh, so I'm trying to leverage the technology around me to, to educate myself in areas and domains that I'm not as familiar with. Great. Wonderful. Uh, that sounds really awesome. It sounds really fun. I think that we could make a whole another episode just on that. <laughs> so around diversity, inclusion, equity, uh, unconscious bias, is there anything that you really want to hit home with our listeners today? Yeah, what I'd say is if you're, if you're a listener that's in a position of leadership, use your voice and use your power. Regardless of who you are, what skin you're in, what, how you identify, we, we have a very privileged position to be able to influence a number of people around us, whether, whether that is those on our teams or otherwise. Bring, bring inclusion, bring diversity, bring equity to your teams. Be a voice, even if you're an ally to communities, be a voice that's bringing this as a topical item at all of your town halls, at all of your all hands. Link for your teams the importance of diversity of thought, of inclusion, of equity in our product development uh, groups to the actual inclusive innovation. Use the stories that you've heard from whether it's this podcast, from other podcasts, to make it real for others. I find that that's where the rubber hits the road. When I talk about that form that I experienced at the daycare where I had to scratch out the father and, and insert mother, father, or, or parent one, parent two, you know, use that to your advantage to say, why is it so important that we are building communities that are reflective of of our customers, our colleagues, and that we can um, we can use our voice to grow further. To those listeners that are are not leaders just yet, just because you're not not a leader or a people manager doesn't mean that your voice doesn't have influence. Speak your stories, be vulnerable, share your experiences. Your voices matter so much. Your experiences are what come into 
building those inclusive products that we need for our customers for the future. Thank you so much for your time, Shivani, um, and I hope your next presentation, the big presentation, goes really well. Um, we'll finish out with, with Lena, um, so thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye, it was Shivani. great being here. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, so Lena, <laughs> uh, same, same two questions. So um, what are you currently doing for your own professional, um, personal growth? Yeah, so I would say, I think um, a year ago, I started to, to work on a uh, master's degree that is completely challenging. It's actually in neuroscience. So it's completely outside of the field of what we do today. But this is the reason I am sharing this is because of, uh, you know, I look for different ways to expand the way that I think and the way that I approach scenarios and situations and people. And so this is the one thing that I would tell you has been helpful. The other thing I would say is um, I do read a lot, not unlike Shabani, I do, I do, I do leverage our, our technology on opportunities where I, I don't, especially chat GPT is like my new favorite thing. I just have to be careful that my child doesn't use it all the time uh, so to do essays. But either way, like I do, I do leverage uh, those, those pieces as well. But for me, it's, it's, like, I think it's also about the connections that you make and then putting yourself in really uncomfortable positions um, so that you can uh, learn about yourself and and maybe, you know, figure some figure out what unconscious bias you have that you may not have been aware of sometimes. And the way that you get there is by putting yourself in positions that you might not be as comfortable in as uh, as maybe you've you've been in the past or doing things that are different to really stress that out or tease that out, I should say. So that's kind of what I, I tend to do. Um, okay. Um, so what about, what final wisdom do you have to share with our listeners around diversity inclusion? You know, speaking of um, having a voice around unconscious bias, you know, Shivani gave us a little bit of, of what she was thinking, um, but what about you? Mm -hmm. What's your final yeah. wisdom? I do, I think for when it comes to unconscious bias, when it comes to diversity, you know, no matter where you're sitting, uh, what, you know, in the organization, I think continue to be courageous um, and to, to speak up when you see something that is not right. Uh, but furthermore, I think that's sometimes almost, you know, the, the, the more, uh, you know, direct path. But furthermore, make sure you, you know, you test yourself and put yourself in some uncomfortable situation so you can learn more about yourself and so that you can grow. Uh, and I think those are the pieces that I would continue to focus on. I, I think at the end of the day, if if you push to do the right thing, then only good outcomes will come out. Um, and so this is why I say sometimes it's really hard to speak up, but to continue to to speak up and and use your voice to influence the environment that you're in each and every day is something that we should all be doing to help combat unconscious bias and to learn more about ourselves and become better people in general. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. So it, it, there's, I feel like the, the last few um, pieces of advice that you guys have given around wisdom or last wisdom has been around like power, taking those risk behaviors, having courage, being brave to speak your story and yes. you have that be known and you know to talk about bias but then also recognize the bias within yourselves you know and how are you potentially contributing to that um and and potentially hindering your own growth um so 
I appreciate both y'all's vulnerability and time today uh, and talking about this really important topic. Um, I'm sure we could go on forever <laughs> about it, yeah. um, but I really appreciated uh, your time and your focus. So thank you so much, Lena. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. It is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit and Scrub.org. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a coworker about the podcast. Go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiatives and find more inspiring podcast conversations.